Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Hope. Thank you, Nathan. What a, what a joy it, it was, and, and we were grateful to have a senior citizen on the trip. Uh, it, was a, it was really a, really a blessing, and I'll tell you, it was an amazing, amazing week, and I couldn't be prouder of the team that God put together. It's hard for us to express in, uh, in words uh, just the beauty of, of what God did through the people that he assembled together and how he used every person and their, their gifts, how they stepped into some places that were way out of their comfort zone. Uh, Pastor Chris and, and just his leadership was uh, just an incredible leading up to the trip and, and leading through the trip, and we are... Uh, just so blessed to be part of, uh, of a, a loving church, uh, so blessed to have Chris uh, just leading our students and uh, really just incredible what God is doing uh, through our students, through families here. And, and I'll tell you, you'll, if you talk to anybody on our team, you'll find out that a piece of our heart, every one of us was left in Honduras. Uh, there was a lot of interesting things about Honduras and uh, one of those that I figured out is that I'm huge in Honduras. Um, <laughs> like, uh, you'll, you'll see a, a shirt here or, or two that they tried on me. Um, that's as big as they get. Um, I'd have to almost weld them on. It looked like I shopped at the Jack and Jill shop anytime I wore uh, anything they had. I learned a few things like that. I learned that you have to carry your own toilet paper. Like, you go in the bathroom, there's none there. You're like... You're like trying to figure out, what do they do? You know, like, how does this work? You know, where there's things like that. We figured out on the first uh, Sunday that we were there that all pastor's kids are the same. Uh, you'll see a, a little guy here that, uh, and, and you had uh, Kaysen and, and my son Grant, um, Kaysen's Pastor Chris's son, they, they were both agony on to be in there and tell him to, you know, act like a monkey, uh, all those kind of things, right? We learned some things like that, and it's, as it was already shared, we learned that the love of God uh, is uh, uh, able to overcome any obstacles, any barriers, any language barriers, and that the greatness of our God, as Nathan said, is so much bigger than we see. Sometimes we have to move out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we have to move out of what's normal just to be reminded how great and how mighty our God is, just how incredibly powerful, how incredibly majestic. We're, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 2 today, and uh, my heart stirred in such a great way in Honduras, and as we've been walking through the scriptures, we are in Jeremiah 2, and we are going to be reading uh, about a message that God has for a people that have forgotten the greatness of God, uh, a people who had forgotten just how big and how mighty and all that God had done, uh, a people like us that had known those things, but so many times can be distracted by the world and, and just miss the greatness of God. And, and, it, and his greatness is so visible all around. I, I've seen it illustrated this way, that the distance uh, from the earth to the sun is 93 million miles. And if we were to equate that and say that those 93 million miles are the equivalent of the thickness of this piece of paper. The distance from the earth to the nearest star 
would be a stack of papers 70 feet high. Did you know that the diameter of our galaxy would be a stack of papers 310 miles high? You realize that there are billions, not trillions of galaxies And the scripture says that all those things are held together by the word of his power. That he is the creator and sustainer and somehow we forget his greatness. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 8. He said, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man, that you take thought of him. To think that the God that spoke this very world into existence and traveling three hours by plane and leaning into a people in Honduras have reminded me just how great and how mighty our God is. As you look out the plane and you see the, the glory of all of his creation and then you see how intimate and how loving. We have a God who is transcendent and above all things, but who is imminent and so close and near and intimate with his children. And as Tim said, no one is forgotten by God. Can I remind you this morning, I don't know what things are going on in your life. I don't know the things that you face and what we learned through the week. We didn't get to see all the places that those kids were coming from until later in the week. And, and it was amazing to see the joy and to see all that they were facing and all that they were going through And to know that God was mindful of every one of them. And he allowed the testimonies of our team and the things that were taking place to work together in such a way that the most most small and minute details were obviously in his hand. We served a people, uh, we hope shared some about the children's home. We served a a group in uh, Santa Marta where uh, we united around soccer and just engaged with the community there. We also, a good portion of the week, served uh, people in the Bordeaux and these, uh, these riverside communities, these riverside villages in Central America. They are known as some of the most impoverished and some of the most dangerous, some of the most difficult places to live uh, in the world. And in really just an incredible picture of uh, the greatness of God as, as these children, a people that the world had forgotten a people that were forgotten by so many were not forgotten by God. I want to show you a little picture of my buddy, Edgar, and that he was, everybody would have stories of someone that engaged their heart. This is Edgar, and Edgar uh, was a little guy that could hug like no other, and, and when we would hug, you could feel a love that was almost unexplainable, and you would hold on to him, and he would squeeze in a way that you could never forget. Little Edgar, he was thrown in a trash dump to die and abandoned. He was taken in by another family and found and he's growing up just to be an amazing little guy. I wanted to just put him in my suitcase and bring him home. I think they call that kidnapping, but um, we were the, the first trip uh, that had been there since covid and the kids were so excited. They had heard that we were coming and, and they would say, the gringos are coming, the gringos are coming. And when we saw them get off that bus, they would run and they would hug and they would hold and they, there was such a joy in them. Our journey 
in the scriptures takes us to the book of Jeremiah chapter 2. And so we read that. Uh, it's a timely message. And it's another thing I learned in Honduras. You've got to be careful where you get your water. One of the things that so often was said to us is make sure you don't drink the water. Only drink from this bottled water. Only drink from here. And everywhere we went, we would take water with us. Everywhere we went, we would carry uh, one of these water bottles. And when, we would, when I got home to turn on my spigot and be able to drink the water that was there was a privilege that I'd taken for granted for so long. And the way my heart stirred in Jeremiah 2 and the way that my heart stirred in Honduras, I want to share a timely message, I believe, for the moments that we are in. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, I want to read through verse 13, uh, and we'll just jump in there. Scripture says this, thus says the Lord, what injustice did your fathers find in me, that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelt. I brought you to the fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things, but you came and defiled my land and my inheritance you made an abomination. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me and the and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and they walked after things that did not profit. Therefore, I will contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your sons I will contend. For cross to the sea, to the coastlands of Kittim and see, and send to Cater and, and observe closely and see if there's been any such thing as this. Has a nation changed gods when they were not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder, and be desolate, declares the Lord. For my people, they've committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, these people, they had forgotten all the blessings that God had blessed them with. They had forgotten all the ways that he had worked, the ways that he had brought them out of the land of Egypt. Had, they had forgotten all of these things, and they had traded worship to their faithful God for things that don't profit, for broken cisterns that never satisfy. Verses 10 through 12 reminds us that uh, he says, listen, has a nation ever forsaken its gods? And if you notice in your, your scriptures, it's the, the little G gods. And he's saying, has a nation ever forsaken even these, these false idols and even these things that are there and traded those kind of, of things, even when they meant nothing, even they, when they were vain and, and of nothing. And he said, and you have forsaken worship to the one true God for things that are meaningless for things that don't profit. He says, there's two evils. You've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and you've traded that. You've dug your own cisterns. You've, you've dug your own wells. You've dug your own places that are cracked and cannot hold water. And I was thinking, imagine living in Honduras. Imagine living in this place. And I, I have some pictures of, of the Bordos there. I have some pictures of, of what they called Rancho Benito. And you'll see uh, a few of those uh, on, on the screen as we go. They're a little bit earlier in the slideshow. This is how they transported the kids from there. Um, 
and, and you'll see as, as you look through uh, just some of the homes that were there, some of the places that were there, uh, I, I can imagine how difficult it is for them with, with water, how difficult it is uh, in, the, in the environments that they live. And, the, and, and I'm reminded just how blessed that we are, how much that we have and how little they have, but yet there was such joy and there was such blessing. And, and, and everywhere you went, there was this reminder don't drink the water. Make sure you get this. Make sure you get that. And I can imagine if in that place there was a spring that had sprung up and there was clean water and it was overflowing. And if it was in that place, I can imagine those people would never want to leave there. They would never want to be away from there. And I could never imagine them trading that and digging their own wells, trading that for water that would make them sick, trading that in those kind of ways, leaving that kind of blessing and that kind of spring to search for our own way. But as I think about our country, as I think about our, our culture that we live in, as I think about even the church in our country, my fear is that we've lost a sense of the greatness of God, that we've lost the awe and the wonder of who he is, that in the midst of that, we have began to try to find satisfaction in the things of this world. We began to look for satisfaction in empty wells. We began to look in, in, in these places that we would try to find life apart from the source of our life. And there's this, this truth that we see in this passage in Jeremiah. And we're going to look in, in John chapter 4 for, for just a minute, but... The reality is that there's nothing apart from Christ that will satisfy. There's nothing that we, can, uh, that we can pursue that will give us satisfaction apart from him. And the world tries so hard to find satisfaction in these broken cisterns that we see in John chapter 4, Jesus beautifully demonstrate this. Jesus beautifully give us a, a picture of this in the woman that he encounters at the well. And Jesus uh, tells this woman at the well, he says, listen, the water that you are getting here, he said, the water that you are drawing, it will never satisfy. And he says, if you knew who I am, then you would ask me for a drink. Let's look in John chapter 4, uh, verse 13. He says this. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever, verse 14, drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Right, the, the things that so many times we try to find satisfaction from in this world, it never satisfies, right? There are so many that are searching all around us. There are so many uh, that, that are searching in these broken cisterns of stuff, right? That, that if we just have all of these things, and you saw those pictures of what the people there had, of the things that are there, and somehow we believe and we bought into that lie that we have to have all of these things, and that if we just get this, then somehow we'll be satisfied, that if we just have this next thing, that we'll be satisfied. And what we find is it makes us hungry for more. It makes us thirsty for more, and it never satisfies. There's always something else. There's people that, that have been trying to find uh, satisfaction in those kind of things, the broken cisterns of their possessions, the broken cisterns of pleasure, right? We live in a culture that says it's all about us, that everything in our life is about me, me, me. And, and so we pursue all of these things, whatever 
it is, right? There's a, a thought in our culture that says, hey, as long as uh, you, you just do whatever works for you, right? We've got that, th- that statement, right? You do you and I'll do me. And whatever it is that brings me satisfaction, that's okay for me. And you just pursue those things. And there's this desire that we might satisfy our flesh at whatever expense of anyone that is around us. And it never satisfies, right? We are always wanting more. This woman, this woman at, at the well that we read about, she was trying to find satisfaction in other men. She was trying to find satisfaction uh, in relationships. And she was drinking from this broken cistern of romance. And she was hoping that somehow this would bring her fulfillment, that this would bring her those things. And Jesus says, listen, if you knew I was, listen, you would ask me for a drink. If you knew that. And she says, listen, you don't even have anything uh, to draw with. And the woman says, sir, in verse 15, give me this water so I won't be thirsty or have to come all the way here again. He says, hey, go get your husband and call him uh, to come here. And the woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you've correctly said I have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. So you have said this truly. And she recognizes that there's something special. She said, I think that you're a prophet. And he begins to engage with her and talk to her about that God is spirit. And those who worship him will worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman says, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will declare all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. You know, we too have a tendency to turn to those false things that will never satisfy, those substitutes, those substitutes that never measure up. And I wonder, like you read about the greatness of God in the Old Testament, and you think, how in the world could this happen to the people that Jeremiah was preaching to? How could this happen? How can this happen? And in verse 19 of Jeremiah 2, the scripture says this, your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will approve you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you declares the Lord God of hosts, right? He says, listen, there, your fear. And, and when we think about the fear of God, it is this picture of this awesome reverence, this all that we have of his greatness. And if you talk to anyone on the team that was there, when you engaged there and you saw how God was working, you were in all of his greatness. The people, God's people that, that in Jeremiah Judah had, had forsaken uh, God, they had, for, they, they had forgotten the greatness of God and they'd been distracted and they were trying to find satisfaction in other things. And my hope this morning is somehow in the power of the spirit of God that we could see how great our God is in all of our efforts, right? Everything that we try to find satisfaction in this world, it always leaves us thirsting for more. But Jesus said to this woman, he says, listen, whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Those that have experienced the grace of God, that have experienced living water, there's something that the Spirit of God does inside of us. And as they walk in the Spirit of God, the love of God flows out of them. And the love of God through the people of God is the only thing that will make the difference that we need in the midst of this world world, right? Jesus demonstrated 
to this woman something that was beautiful, right? As he engaged her, she was forgotten. The Jews would not even travel through Samaria. The Jews uh, would never even engage in those things. They would never go that way. But in verse 4 of John 4, there's something beautiful that I want you to see this morning. The scripture says that Jesus, that he had to pass through Samaria, that he had to go. Jesus chose to go the way uh, of Galilee, to go to Galilee uh, through through, uh, Samaria, right? He chose to go that way when others would avoid it. It wasn't that he had to go that way because there was no other way geographically that he could go, but Jesus had to go that way. And I want you to understand why he had to go that way. There was a woman that was broken. There was a woman who was thirsty. There was a woman who was in need of the love of God, a woman who was hurting, a woman who was lonely, a woman who was searching. Jesus had to go. You know, those we encountered in Honduras, I want to put a picture up and tell you about a few men that we encountered there. You'll see them with my family on the far right here is a man named Marlon. Marlon lives in Santa Marta and it's a It's a community that is broken and has so much need. Marlon played professional soccer in Honduras for years and in other countries and has opportunities to make a very uh, prosperous living in coaching professionally and doing those things. But he feels like and, and has heard the call from God to pour into these children who are broken in that community. And he brings out a soccer ball and you see God just do in incredible things as, as they play and as they gather. The guy beside him, Pastor Poite, he blessed our heart in such an incredible way. He was a child that was growing up in Rancho Bonita in those Bordeaux. And as the, the missionaries came and shared the gospel, he came to faith in Christ. He was a, literally a beggar on the streets of Honduras that would go out and At night, he would beg so that his family could eat. He would beg so that they could have enough to survive that day. And he was was saved by the grace of God. And now he's royalty. His father lives in Texas, and he said, Poite, come. Come, get out of there. Get out of the brokenness. Get out of that. And he said, Dad, you don't understand. You don't understand. And he lives in the midst of the brokenness. And he continues to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is like the woman at the well when she left and said, come see a man who told me all things. These men, they are giving their lives for the glory of God and choosing to live in the midst of a people. They have to go. Someone has to tell these children. Someone has to make a difference. The other guy that's beside hope is Pastor Irwin. And he preached the Sunday that we were there. And his testimony, I hope to bring him here to share a story that impacted us in a way that is bigger than words. As we heard his story and as we saw him engage, he lives also in the midst of Rancho Bonita. 
and he pours into young people and he uses everything. They, they take a soccer ball, they, they build guitars, they teach guitar lessons. Every gift that God has given them have become platforms for the gospel to go forth. Every, every, everything that they have is being used for the glory of God. And in reality, you know, one of the blessings and maybe the biggest blessing I had in the trip was hanging out with those two guys, two young pastors and trying my best to pour into them and to love into them. But at the same time, in every moment that I was engaging with them, being challenged in a way that was so big. Because in reality, they had so very little. They had so much less, right? The places that we live, our garages are bigger than the places that they live. And and in the midst of that, they had so much less. But then in the midst of that, as you look at them and you see the joy, you realize that they have so much more because all that they have, literally all that they have is Jesus. And Jesus is enough. They have drunk from the well of living water. Then it has birthed in them something that produces joy that is unspeakable. And something that has changed them in a way that has said, listen, there's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing more valuable than sharing the good news of what Jesus has done in our lives. And listen, we saw people that were hurting, people that were broken, people that were going through so many things. In 1 John chapter number 3, the scripture says this, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whoever has the world's goods, and I want you to hear me when we talk about this. So many times we look at the scriptures and we read of those things and we see, listen, when you read the scriptures and it talks about rich people and it talks about the things that are required of them, it's very easy for us to look and say, they're talking about somebody else. They're talking about somebody that, it, that is way uh, more wealthy than I am. But I want you to understand when we read those things and when we read whoever has the world's goods, I want you to understand the scripture is talking about us and there's things that are required of that. He says, the one, whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. When you see the brokenness and the hurt and the people that are walking through so much, and then you look at your life, you know, I pull back into my home and I look at all the things that we have and all that God has blessed us with. And I look around this room and I see all that we have and all the blessings that we have. God has not given us those things so we could simply consume them on ourselves. But we are blessed to be a blessing and we are blessed to be able, God has allowed us to see a people that has need greater than anything I have ever seen. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like to engage with him. I don't know what it looks like in every way to engage with people that are in our community, but I believe with all my heart that every one of us has a place that we must go. Amen. We must go. When is the last time that we have left our comfort zone, that we have sought to bring the gospel to someone who is hurting, that we have sought to bring the gospel to someone who is in, in, in brokenness, right? And we may look at them and we say, what are they wearing or what are they, 
you know, look at, look at what they're doing. Look at the sinful life that they're living. Look at the, the, the addictions that they may have. Look at the, the things. We have people all around us, right, that are trying to drink from these broken wells, right? And when we wonder why are they doing those things, and the reality is that like the woman at the well, they are are trying to feel a, a, a hunger. There's a, a spiritual thirst in people. And we are trying to feel that. People all around us are trying to feel that with the things of this world. And they are coming up empty, but they're waiting for someone to love them enough, to, to love them enough to say, you know what? I'm going to step out in the midst of this. I'm going to go where those people are. I'm going to engage with them. There's a beautiful piece about that story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Uh, when she is drawing water, Jesus uh, comes to her, and it's so easy for us to miss this. But he looks at her and he says, Woman, give me a drink. Jesus was willing to drink from the same cup as the least of the least. And we've got to be a people who will take what God has given us. A people who will drink from that fountain of living water. Water that will never run dry. And will fill ourselves every day. Allow him to fill us. To overflowing that we might pour our love out into the midst of the broken. There are places, church, that we have to go. There are places individually that we have to go. Because there are people all around us, people all around every one of us who are thirsty, people who are looking for something, and the world is not measuring up. The world is not satisfying. Could we be people who would be willing to go where God might send us? Who people who would be willing to take a chance? Who would be willing to see people in their brokenness and say, you know what? I'm going to love those people that are forgotten by this world. I'm going to use whatever gifts, whatever talents, whatever things God has given me for his glory to make disciples, to engage, to to make a difference in the midst of this world. Because there are people all around us forgotten by this world. But they are not forgotten by our God. I wonder this morning what God would say to each one of us. What he would call us to. I wonder if there are people that are gathered in this room that have been drinking from empty wells that have been trying to find their satisfaction in drugs and alcohol and relationships and possessions and things. That have been trying to find satisfaction in the things of this world and And there's no joy, there's no fulfillment, there's no peace. And as Tim alluded to, you will never find joy and peace and satisfaction apart from the will of God in our lives. That's why people like Poite and Irvin and Marlon, living with so much less than us, can express so much more joy. Will you drink from a fountain that will never run dry and pour it back into the lives of people all around you?